Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. In Acts chapter 1, little introductory story, picture on the screen is of a 2003 uh, Ford Windstar van. Uh, that's not our van, but we had one that looked like just like it, super hot vehicle. Great vehicle to cruise in. Uh, some of you are coveting our old van, I'm sure. <laughs> There's one person that might be watching, our oldest daughter, who fairly consistently wished she could drive a different vehicle around. Anyway, uh, came time to sell the van, and... Uh, it was, a still, it was still a good running van, and the air conditioning worked, and we had, you know, tried to maintain it well. But I'm, I don't, I'm kind of, if it's time to sell it, let's, you know, not put some big high price on it. So I thought it was a real reasonable price. Listed it on uh, Craigslist for $1,300. And I thought, oh, that, you know, and right away I was getting, you know, calls and like that kind of thing. One guy uh, called uh, said, I'll come over right now. So I remember it was like getting dark, and he still came over, and uh, it's $1,300. And then I remember the moment where he said to me, will you take 700 <laughs> Keith, he said, will you take 700 And I used, I'll, I'll stop the story there uh, to, to introduce a question. Do you know anyone who is audacious? Bold, courageous. Because that's kind of the thought that I had when the guy said, hey, will you take 700? I thought, you've got to be kidding me, 700. And uh, just, do you know anybody who tends to be bold, courageous, that kind of a thing? It may not be a perfect first thought, but do you know anybody that's kind of like that? Is there any of that in you? I would tell you that oftentimes audacity, oh, let's look at the definition of audacity. It's showing a willingness to take surprisingly bold risks, daring, fearless, brave, and unafraid. Is there any of that in you? We're going to head to a place where I would submit to you that having some of that in your life is actually a pretty good thing. Uh, the guy who was bold with the $700, he got a great deal on a van. Uh, you know, I think I went back at him with some really strong, like, well, how about $725? I remember at the end of it, as he was driving away, thinking, that guy got a great, I forget what it was, but he got a great deal, because I was like, okay, whatever, he's, whatever. Anyway, um, there are other times in life that I think that we realize, sometime being audacious, bold, courageous uh, can have just a real positive effect. And one of my real close, I was in a conversation the other day, people we were talking with, they said they have... They've decided to have no, this is going to blow you away, they've decided to have no junk food in their house. That's insane. <laughs> but as I look at them and I look at me, I'm like, they're in better shape than I am. It's just like, it's because it's kind of an audacious decision, but it's having a positive effect on their life. I was also reminded of an old story, a couple that I've known, a married couple that I've known for 30, 30, maybe 30 years and when we first met, they were sharing their how we met each other story, which is sometimes a thing you do. People, well, how'd you guys meet? And 
best I can remember, he started the story with when I met her, she was way out of my league. And if I remember right, she kind of said, yeah. I was, and, but this guy decided that I am going for that. And I remember the point in the conversation where she said something. It, made this, it was almost exactly like this. It'll come up on the screen. She said, eventually, he wore me out and won my heart. And she fell in love. Does that make sense? So he got the girl because he was bold and courageous, audacious is the argument there. Spiritual shift here, audacity, boldness, is often connected to spiritual success. In the Old Testament, there's a man named Moses who God uses to set a thousand, no, arguably it could have been millions of God's people free from slavery. And Moses was audacious enough to go to the, the ruler of the time and say, God says, let God's people go. It would, now, that'll affect your economy. If your economy's built on a million slaves, and he said, let God's people go. That's pretty audacious. There's another account of a guy named David. If you've read the Bible, you've probably heard of David. And one of David's springboards into spiritual notoriety was when there's a, there's a battle going on. It's a big guy named Goliath that represented the enemies. And Goliath would come out and basically say, won't anybody fight me? Hey, Israelites, you wimps, won't anyone fight me? And nobody would fight him because he was really big and huge and, and well-equipped. And David, the young David guy, says, I'll fight him, which is kind of audacious. And that's part of David's story to becoming king. The New Testament Audacity leads to miracles where a person who has been blind their whole life will say to Jesus, I want to see. That's a bold ask. Fix, my eyes have never worked my whole life. Fix them. The apostles, the, the chosen twelve, in Luke 5, there are two of them after Jesus invites them to follow him. It says of them, it says, it says they left everything. That's bold. They left everything and followed him. So that brings up a question for us to just assess in our lives. Here's the question. When was the last time I did something audacious in my spiritual life? Pause and will you pause and think about that? When's the last time you did something audacious, big, courageous, bold in your spiritual life? I, uh, by the way, I think it can kind of depend on where we're at spiritually. For some of you, you came to church today, and that's huge for you. Does that make, like that could be a huge, audacious, courageous thing to do. Uh, for others, that wasn't audacious and courageous because it's something that you've already done and you regularly do that. I think of generosity. I remember for some people, the first time they give money to help uh, ministry or other people, the first time they give, you know, 
10 bucks. It's like a big deal. That's like, whoa. And then for others, like you've been tithing for years, and tithing is no longer audacious. It's just normal. Does that make any sense? Uh, the first time, for some of you, if I asked you right now, I said, I need someone to stand up and pray out loud for the rest of the service. And if you actually stood, well, some of you would wet your pants. If I, if I said, yeah, well, you do that, you'd be like, ah. Well, you may not wet your pants. I wasn't going to say that, but I said it anyway. Sorry. Does that make sense? But for some of you, if this was the first time and I said, would you stand and pray out loud? And you said, yes, and you'll do it. That would be huge audacity in your life. And for others, it's like, be okay. For some of you, just the decision last night, you didn't do that immoral thing that you've been doing like for, for six months and you thought, you know, I don't think I'm going to do that because I don't think God wants me to do that. That was huge for you last night. And for some of you, you went ahead and did it. But maybe next week, you'll do something audacious and you'll think, I'm not going to do that because I'm trying. Does that, that's the way audacity works. To hold those thoughts, we are starting a series this weekend called Audacity, Bold Acts of the Early Church. And we're going to be studying and walking through the book of Acts, which was an audacious season of spiritual stuff. They did amazing, big, courageous things. And we're not going to just study the book of Acts. If you would, I think in front, on the back of every seat in front of you, there is a card. And this card has a reading plan. Our goal is that we wouldn't just study on the weekend the book of Acts, but we would do some things that will be bold, courageous, audacious. And so we put together a plan of activities. One of them is a reading plan, so if you do the reading plan, you will, over the next eight weeks, you will read and know way more about the book of Acts than you did before. The other, there, are, there is going to be a challenge every week to, for some of us, many of us, to stretch us in our courage and boldness for God. So I'm going to walk through these. Some of these might be big challenges for some, others be like, oh, I think I can do that. But the goal, I'm going to ask every, I hope everybody does it. First week one challenge, read an entire book of the Bible in one sitting. Now for some of you, like, oh, I can do that. For others, you're like, I'm going to find the shortest book in all of the Bible. But no matter how you do that, like, do that. I would venture to say, uh, for like, I'm going to ask, how many of you have ever read an entire book in one setting? Okay. Others, maybe, you know. So let's do that. Uh, week two, the challenge is to schedule a four-hour block to practice silence and solitude. No phone, no, just like quiet with God. For some of you, this won't be dif difficult. For others, it'll be hard. But you can, you cannot schedule it while you're sleeping. <laughs> Does not count. Week, week three, Fast from food for 36 hours. Come on. Yeah, no response. Come on. Uh, week four. Mail three encouraging handwritten notes to friends, family that you haven't connected with recently. Week five. Post online. See, this will be a new thing for some of us. Post online a four-sentence testimony of what God has recently done in your life. Let people who are out there know that you're a follower of Jesus. 
Week six, host a meal. Invite at least three neighbors. You know, or people in your apartment complex. Invite three folks over, and here we go. Pray before the meal. For some of you, that won't be a big deal. Others, you'd be like, "That's you're going to have to pray a lot before you pray before the meal because you're going to be scared. Do it. It'll be audacious. Here's a big one, for me anyway. Week seven. Pray for our city on your knees in a public place for 15 minutes. Some people are like, yeah, that's easy. Does anybody, does that make anybody a little nervous? Yeah, I'm, I'm like thinking, okay, because I get so self-conscious. It'll be, but like find your, you know, go out to neighbor. Do you pick the public place? It could be praying for, praying for your city, your, maybe your neighborhood. But anyway, public, I just think that's going to be a great challenge to stretch me. Uh, the next one, uh, the last one. Oh, yeah, we'll see. Give away 50%, give away half of one week's income. So figure one week, you know, if you get paid every two weeks, don't do the two weeks, just one week, figure out half of it, give it away to someone who is needy. That's a great idea. Some people are like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. It's audacious ideas that will stretch us. Okay, so those are some of the things we'll be doing together. Oh, so what's this week's challenge? What's this week's challenge? Read an entire book of the Bible in one setting. Okay, do that. Uh, today we're going to look at Acts chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 4. The setting here, uh, Jesus has been doing arguably audacious ministry, big, bold, courageous stuff. He's getting ready to die on the cross, raised from the dead, and he's given this assignment to the disciples, and he's telling them, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and you're going to keep all this big ministry stuff going. All right? So, verse 4, it says, On one occasion, while he, that's Jesus, was eating with them, that's the disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They ask a question. Jesus says, you don't need to know the answer to that. And he goes on in verse 8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So from that text, I'm going to offer you two characteristics of spiritual audacity. Will you pause and pray with me before we... I guess this is kind of halftime through the message. So let's pause and pray for the rest of the message. God... Uh, big prayer. The next eight weeks, would you stir us up? Whether we need a ton of stirring or maybe we're just starting uh, an understanding or pursuit of you, will you stir us up in spiritual things that we might see more success in our life and more impact on the world? In Jesus' name, amen. I got two things from the text. The first one is this. Spiritual audacity is about power to perform. 
if you're writing something down, or if you're making notes at home or here, power to perform. We're going to get this point from the part of the text that says, you will receive, and it says power. So that word power in the original language, uh, you may have heard this before. It's, called, it's pronounced dunamis. Sounds like dynamite. And uh, this word definition, here's a little bit of the definition that'll come up. It's, it's what you think. Power, might, strength. It's an endowed physical enablement to perform a task. One of the things that I notice in the definition, it is, it is actually exclusively in the definition that I found, it's exclusively talking about physical energy to get things done. There isn't a mention of emotional strength. It's talking about like practical, powerful strength for us to go and do things. Um, and the context here, basically the disciples have watched Jesus. You know, Jesus just was not just a sit around and teach guy. He was a do guy. He, he would go actually get tons of things done. So here's the idea. You can write this down. When God's spirit is stirring, the activity level is high. Like just the ability, just the nature, just the tendency is let's do some stuff. And to connect with this, this idea of audacity... It may not be the most orderly activity. It may not be the most controlled. It may not even be what we might typically think of spiritual activity, but we will go and do something for God. Um, so I thought of a unique example of this in Judges 15. Uh, the, the concept, the, the basic scene here is there's a group called the Philistines. If you've read the Bible very much, you may have heard of the Old Testament. They're almost always, they're always kind of the, the enemies or antagonists of God's people. There's the Philistines, then there's the Israelites. And in this season in the Bible, in Judges, there's uh, a leader. His name is uh, Samson. And if you need kind of an image for what Samson is like, is he's like, a spiritual incredible hulk where every so often god's he would could do incredible physical things strength things all right and in this text the philistines are basically trying to bully or are bullying god's people and they're irritated with samson and those so they say Look, Israelites, either you turn over Samson to us, or we're going to mess up your lives and kill you and beat you and all that kind of thing. And so in this text, Samson says, because the people come and say, Samson, they want you, and he says, okay. And so he lets himself be tied up, and basically he's walking out to the enemies, and then here's what happens. It says, as he, that's Samson, approached Lehi, which is this place where they're headed, it says the Philistines, that's the godless people, came toward him shouting. And it says, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. 
it came powerfully upon him. Now pause, we're going to go on in a minute. But typically when you think, well, the Spirit of the Lord came on him. Now some of you already know the story. But the Spirit of the Lord came on him. What do you typically think of when you think, oh, the Spirit of the Lord came on a person? Like I think, oh, the Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he began to weep, or he began to worship, or he began to pray, or he repented from his sin. That is not what happens when the Spirit of the Lord comes on this guy. It goes on in verse 15, and it says, So the Spirit of the Lord came on him, and finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. So that's what he did in church that day <laughs> when the Spirit of the Lord showed up. Now, is that not unique? So if you're like, hey, so what'd you do today? Man, God was all over me today. See all those dead dudes? Man, I got them all with this big bone. I just like, wham, wham, wham. Praise the Lord. It's great. <laughs> Woo, it's walking in the Spirit today. Is that not, isn't that like, but that's what it says. It says, the Spirit of the Lord came on him, and then there was that kind of energy and intensity. So that caused me to ask this question in my own life. Is the Spirit of the Lord more aggressive than I typically think? And as I explored that, I answered it yes. I do think that I typically think the spirit of I typically think the spirit of the Lord is way more tame than oftentimes he probably is. So in this series we're going to explore some of the edges of the empowerment, right? The power of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord came to give us power, dunamis power. What's that look like? And sometimes I am convinced it's way more intense than what we typically think. Now, I also, from that text, thought of another question for us to personally look at in our own lives. Here it is. Am I too willing to submit to godless pressure? Godless pressure. You can leave that up on the screen for a minute. Here's how I thought of this image. Samson, the, the godless Philistines are trying to bully Samson and say, look, tie, let, let yourself get tied up. You guys tie him up. And you come here and submit to us. And this is, Samson lets himself, he probably thinks he's doing the right thing. He says, you can just tie me up. And then he goes, and can I just tell you, he probably wasn't supposed to tie himself up. Because when the Spirit of the Lord came, he broke that stuff off and did something else. And so for me, for us, if you're considering or you're a follower of Jesus, here's something to consider. Am I too submissive at times to godless voices, people that say, hey, hey, settle down and quit that. Do we go, oh, okay, I'm sorry. They say, well, we don't like that Bible verse. Oh, okay, now which Bible verses do you like? And we just let ourselves get tied up or they say, stop that. Don't witness to me. Don't, you know, don't, you know how, no, you're not. Are you getting this? And sometime instead of saying, I'm so sorry, I, no, instead of See, we just apologize for so many things, and sometimes we ought not to. We ought to say, here's the deal. God is God. That is sin. Jesus died, rose from the grave. Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. Jesus is the forgiveness for sin. People say, no, 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 you can't be so exclusive. Well, 
So, well, pfft, maybe I can. Does that make, and I'm not saying this is a license to be a jerk, but the Holy Spirit does not come into our life and make us weak, submissive. You getting this at all? This is a real challenge to me. This is a challenge. If we really love some, don't amen me too much because I could go on this for a long time. If we, we're not actually loving, if we submit ourselves to godless concepts, we are not actually loving the people we might say we say we're loving because they need to understand the truth. Lying to people is not loving. That's not loving. That's letting them to continue to believe something that's a lie. So isn't this going to be stretching? Can be stretching to us? Yeah. So that means, to kind of finish up this point, there are times, again, this, this power from God, we, instead of being submissive and sit down, we're just going to try some stuff. Are we going to do it perfectly? Maybe not. But rather than sit, the Spirit's going to enable us to do things. While I was working on this talk, walked down the street here just a couple houses where some volunteers are leading a leading swimming lessons for the some of the kids at the community center i just went down and they had snapped a few pictures and so like is this is the spirit of the lord on this i don't know by the way they were doing a phenomenal job but i'll tell you what it's better than sitting and doing nothing let's do something to try to help these kids know god and have a better life how about that Let's not wait for the perfect plan. You know, if you wait for the perfect plan, you'll die doing nothing, right? Perfect plan doesn't come together. Let's just do something. Like I even think of the imperfections here. See down in the bottom lower left here, the right-hand side? I hope that girl comes up for air at some point. <laughs> but apparently she did, right? Was it perfect? I don't know. So like, what are some things that we could do to impact our world? We may not do it perfectly, but we're going to do it. Do something. A thing I've been trying recently, I'm a little concerned or frustrated at times, just to be honest, uh, at what seems to be a trend culturally for people to be too willing to just let other people take care of themselves and take a, instead of taking personal responsibility for their own self. So now, this is not something new, um, but it's, and I think it got worse with COVID because COVID then you could make more money sitting at home than actually going out working. And so I'm seeing this trend culturally where God would say he's designed us to go work, be productive, and we're sitting around and, well, this is great because if I don't go work, I get more money. Wrong idea. It's a bad idea, you guys. I'm telling you, you want to be physically, emotionally, spiritually healthy. Oh, don't do that. If you want to be physically, right, that is not God's design for your life. We're going to, I'm going to preach, I guess, since you applauded. We're going to get more, <laughs> no, we're going to get more emotionally drained, sucked up. It is not going to work to sit around. It's not a good plan, okay? So what I've decided in the last six, eight months, maybe, I thought I'm going to try to encourage people that I see out in the world that are actually working. And so I've just been trying to tip people, some of you are doing it, tip people more, especially when I see somebody working hard and I'm thinking, you're probably not making 40 bucks an hour doing this, but you're working hard. And so the other day I was in a quick mart and there she was, this young lady, 
and she was just doing such a phenomenal job. She was kind. She, I think she was running the whole thing by herself, but she was attentive. You could tell that she was working hard. And so I got done, you know, paying for my, some gas, and I said, is it okay if people tip you here? And she said, oh, yeah, sometimes we'll have see people. So it must have been a good day for me because I had an extra $20 bill. And so she was turning around doing something else because she was running the whole place. And I said, I just want to give you this. I said, you're doing a phenomenal job. And so I slipped that $20 bill, set it there. I started to walk away. She didn't know it was there, although she kind of knew, oh, it's going to get a tip. And so I started to walk, walk. I heard this as I started to get to the door. Whoa, wait a minute. You can't do that. She, she said, you can't do that. No, like a dollar or two. And it was a little awkward. And I went, I don't, you're doing it. I'm like, run out of this. I didn't really kind of run like that, because that was, I didn't do that. But I still remember that little awkward, like, but you, and I said, you're doing a great job, and I'm going to go pump my gas. And Now, did I do it perfectly? Probably not. But I do think there are times that God looks down at us, and with the power that he's given us, and he says, just do something. Just do something. You may have heard this before. God can draw an awfully straight line with an awfully crooked stick. You ever heard that? Sometimes he doesn't need perfection from us. He just needs some activity. I got I got to move on. That was spiritual audacity is about power to perform. Oh my. Spiritual audacity is about is about expanding God's influence. Expanding God's influence. Verse 8 says, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. By the way, that's not just what he says to a group of disciples 2,000 years ago. He says to you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you will be my witnesses. And then in this context, he says, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's a visual of this part of the land. Jerusalem, he says, you're going to be my witness in Jerusalem. Then Judea, which is a little bigger section. Samaria, an even bigger section. And then the ends of the earth. So, it's an expanding region of influence, big assignment. Yeah, I want you to do it here, but it's going to get bigger. And this was a new thought for me. I would argue when Jesus says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, it's not only going to get bigger, it's going to potentially get harder. Now hang with me for this. Jerusalem, spiritual center for years. If you want to talk about God in Jerusalem, Jerusalem people are like, sure, that's what we do. We talk about God. Does that make sense? Because it's, it, especially in Jesus' day, it was the spiritual center for uh, God the creator, Yahweh, okay? Then when he says, so you're going to be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, it's still pretty spiritual there. Not quite as all spiritual as Jerusalem, but still spiritual. When you start going to Samaria, it gets a little more spiritually confusing. Those people were Jewish and also Gentile-ish, intermarried. When, like, clarity on who God was was kind of 50-50 stuff. 
is this making sense? Be a little harder to say, and you're going to go witness in Samaria, you might go, ooh, that's going to take a little more work. Ends of the earth? Haifa? Hafa? Haifa? I don't even know what that is, but it's a town. It's not Jerusalem, it's not Judea, it's not... When you start going out from that place, you're going to end up in godless places that know virtually nothing about the real God. And Jesus is telling his disciples, part of your assignment is go to the hard places. Here you can write this down. Jesus' assignment for his disciples include the pursuit of the harder situations. You're writing things down. The harder situations. Hmm. So I hope we will take this idea of being audacious and going to the harder places and include in this going after even the difficult things, especially if they're connected to people. Like how about if we were audacious enough to not just go for the spiritual people who like, like to talk about God and all, you know, how about if we are willing to take a little more risk for people who might take a little while, or they may have some different views that we need to talk and pray and love and help, or what if they're just a mess? But we might be a church and a people who would realize Jesus came to save the lost. Last story, and then we'll do a fill in the blank. There's a, uh, up on the screen, this is an uh, acquaintance, becoming a friend of mine, I think his name is Jay, Jay Pathick. And he's going to be the new national director for Vineyard Churches. And so I was in a meeting with him. We were sitting out talking uh, within the last month. And he shared his story of how he became a Christian. And so I'm going to try to relay that to you. He didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, father was a professor at a university. Jay grew up God, godless and uh, atheist, right? Uh, he was in high school. This, in this season, he was high school, maybe moving into college. And there was an acquaintance of Jay's. He may have, I think he may have said his name was Andy, so I'll just say Andy, um, who was a Christian. And Andy, the Christian, went to a Christian camp over the summer. And at the end of the camp, they challenged that those high school students I want you to think of the hardest person you know that you think they would never come to Jesus and you begin to pray for them. And the Andy dude immediately went, it's Jay Pathic. That's he, just Jay Pathic. So Andy took it on as an assignment. Long story short, you know where this is going. Over the next few years, through Andy's, probably through Andy's prayer and maybe his testimony, all those things. Jay had an encounter with God, became a Christian, life-changing. Since that time, he's become a leader, he's become a pastor, he's planted churches. And by the end of the year, he will be the national director of the Vineyard Movement that oversees 500 churches. And that all happened because some kid named, I think, Andy 
went after the hard stuff. Some of you were far away from God, right? And somebody didn't just say, gosh, he's super lost. Have fun in hell, super lost guy, right? That you had eyes to see them like God would see them. There's nobody too lost for God, right? Last fill in the blank. Don't settle for spiritual ease this summer. That's the plan. Going to stir up some spiritual audacity. Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.